Welcome to the backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Apologies in advance for the loss of voice, but we left it all out at the Cove this weekend during our fourth annual spring meeting. 65 members from all over the U.S., along with our brothers from Golf Blueprint, we had ourselves two full days of Sweetens Cove, and it was an absolute blast. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it, folks. I played absolutely terrible. More doubles than birdies, but that's not what Sweetens Cove is all about. I had a great time yucking it up with fellow members, and luckily the format allowed my game to hide quite nicely as I was bailed out by the exquisite play of my partners, David White, Jay Searle, Joe Williams, congrats, fellas, on the spring meeting title and taking home the new club Quaish, essentially a bowl with handles. So in light of some of the off-season rust and my new burning desire to improve, I think today's episode is perfect timing for us to welcome one of our finest, Dr. Lonnie Malo, Minneapolis ambassador and golf blueprint practitioner to the pod. Lonnie has been both a member of New Club and Golf Blueprint since early days, and more importantly for the context of our discussion, he is a true golf-enthused gentleman who has seen a near-double-digit improvement in his handicap over this time. So without further ado, on to the show. Lonnie Malo, welcome to The Backdrop. Great to be here. Good to have you with us. Very We're going to be, uh, you're the first member pod of the 2022 season. We're bringing it back just for, for Dr. Malo here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here and uh, excited to chat. So um, we, we share quite a few things in common, but I think we, we come at the game from very different uh, places and different worlds. I wanted to get your world a little bit. Where did you, when did you start? picking up the game of golf? I started, I could probably count on one hand, like, you know, before age 18, the number of times I held a golf club, um, you know, usually just going to the driving range and messing around with my friend, always getting blisters from trying to swing the club way too hard uh, and trying to hit the back of the driving range and never coming close. I, I seriously took up golf. So it would have been 2000, it would have been 2013. So, so I was at the end of my first year of residency um, out at Loyola Medical Center, west of Chicago, uh, and new club member Dave Cades. Um, we were um, both um, involved. Our, our wives both went to business school together. Dave and I are very friendly. And Dave had picked up the game while he was in grad school. And I just was describing how burnt out I felt. All I did was work and come home, work and come home, and just needed something else. And, and he had suggested, you know, why don't you, why don't you look at golf? So I called my dad down in the south suburbs of Chicago. I picked up uh, a basically untouched set of King Cobra woods and, and um, cavity back irons from, from the mid-90s uh, and just went straight to the driving range um, with also without a glove, also getting blisters that first time. And it's just like, oh, this is kind of fun. Just like seeing some shots, you know, having some of that connection um, and just very quickly wanted to take it seriously because I, I tend to have a very... Uh, focused mind and I tend to jump into things very intensely uh, and whether that's like trying to brew beer at home, which is a hobby that has come and gone or, or getting into cycling, which is another hobby that's come and gone. Like I, I just wanted to like, my, my tendency is always to be really serious that first time around. Um, so that first summer I, I signed up for USGA at least at one time had a program called get golf ready um, where it was a four week program 
uh, with one, you know, four one-hour lessons with a pro, uh, and this was at that Forest Preserve course in Hoffman Estates. I forget which one uh, it, it is, but but it, it was meant to be a group, but I I was the only one who signed up for it. So so that pro was in no way incentivized to give me any attention because like he was getting a hundred dollars for for four weeks of lessons. Um, and I just remember driving out there and and just loving it. And then you know Dave Cates took me to Weber Park up in Schaumburg, I think, that like a little par three course, and and just I I, I just loved it. And every time you know I it, it was obviously living in Chicago at the time, I would have my clubs in my car at all times. You know if I had an early day at the hospital, I would drive out to Fresh Meadows or Oak Brook and, and just use the range or just you know chip and pitch and and it just very quickly became absolutely obsessed with it. You, um, you talk about hobbies that come and go. Uh, I think I can totally relate to that with the, that intense interest for a short period of time or, but do, for golf for you, does that come and go or has that been more, more, uh, static? It's been, it's been really steady. Um, which, which I think surprised my, my wife at the time, I, my wife and I've known each other since we were 18. So, so I have been a golfer for less time than, than we've known each other. Um, and I think she was just expecting it to kind of pick up and go, but then kind of when used club, you know, boxes started showing up at the, the, the front desk at the, the apartment building. And, and when I was, you know, waking up at five 30 to, to catch a, you know, six 30 tea time, you know, she thought it, it realized it was, it was serious and, and wasn't going away. And, um, I can't really put my finger on it. You know, why I would consider myself a golfer and definitely am not a, a home brewer or, or a cyclist or anything like that. But, but it's just, there was just something different about it right from the start where, where I really enjoyed my time away from it. I felt recharged in what I was coming back to. Um, even if I wasn't you know necessarily recharged by the actual golf performance, you know, I was able to leave practice or around and, and, and really feel, uh, just like I had taken a break and unplugged for a little while um, and couldn't really think about work during that time, couldn't think about family, couldn't think about, you know, anything going on in my life besides just what I was doing over that shot. One of the reasons I was excited to talk to you today is that just, uh, you know, we all get to know each other through new club playing and different stuff. Uh, you're not local to our chapters of Chicago, Atlanta. You're, you're out there, you know, in, in Minneapolis. So it's, it's uh, we don't get to see as much, but I've really enjoyed your thoughts on uh golf performance and kind of you, you've been you've shared some you know we all have these these chats in our slack going and and i i've really just connected with you on on how you think about improvement and getting better so i wanted to, to actually talk to you now and hear what you i mean from the sounds of it it sounds like since you've picked up the game you you've had that mindset of improvement of of you know i want to to, to, to learn this skill and, and, and work on this, what, what is golf improvement to you? Like, how, how do you, how do you reference frame that, that world of, of performance? I, I, I always think back, um, to that first full round I played, um, when I started, um, I, I remember standing on the 17th tee and, you know, having that old kind of 1990s Cobra driver and just hitting three straight balls high and right out of bounds and being so mad at myself that I just kind of remember, like not intentionally, but I just kind of, you know, slammed that club on the ground and just snapped the head right off. Um, sorry, that's my dog in the background. Um, and just and at the time being like, I don't know why that happened. I don't know why it goes that way one time and why it goes left the other time. And so initially it just started like, I want to, you know, understand 
why a bad shot happens or what I'm doing with my body for it. I think it's turned into trying to make my good shots better and, and, and also raise the floor on, on my bad shots because, you know, I'm a double digit handicapper and I have been for, for quite some time, hopefully trending uh, with some, some really hard work this, this off season. But I, I, that's where I noticed, you know, when I am, shooting in the nineties or high nineties, if I'm having a really bad day, it is because those bad shots are particularly bad. It's the, 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 you know, stub chip that doesn't get to the green. It's the, the toe shank that, that doesn't go more than 20 yards forward. And so it's trying to raise that floor because, you know, when I have played with better players, it is just kind of so boring at times, or at least for me as someone who's doing army golf, you know, all over the course, it seems just like the, the ball is advanced. It might be a little bit off left or right or short and long, but but it's just so much more stress-free compared to where I'm at of just, gosh, do I hook it around this tree? How do I get out of this thick rough? Oh, can, can I just take this little lateral hazard instead of going backwards? And, and just that for me would be my initial target for game improvement. And then obviously it just gets more fine-tuned when – you're trying to to make sure your five iron goes a certain yardage, you know, and, and trying to make sure that your missteps are only five yards off instead of 20 yards off. Um, so that's where I'm hopefully seeing myself go, you know, over this time. And it's always a work in progress. Do you, you're uh, a man of science. You're a medical doctor. Do you find that, that uh, schooling and um, your, your career kind of also lends itself to, a scientific method towards the game of golf or what is, is there a parallel or is it that you treat it so differently than your normal, your normal day? Um, I am definitely very analytical. And, 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 you know, the first time I talked to, to Nico and Kevin from, from golf blueprint, we kind of discussed that I am the wrong kind of smart. You know, I am not the, 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 the stereotypical, you know, Dustin Johnson of just kind of point and shoot. I am thinking of, Oh, the wind is going this way on three. That means on seven, it's going to be going this way. That's going to be an extra club for me. You know, I, I'm never, I always really struggle um, thinking about or kind of detaching myself from kind of what's going on around me and just kind of being in the moment and I could meditate and I could do breathing exercises, but it really takes me a while to forget what happened, forget what's going to come up, but just kind of focus on the moment. So I think my doctor brain is, is, not as helpful as it should be, um, or, or is it maybe, you know, as it, it could be because I'm just always thinking about, particularly in my work, you know, I'm always thinking about the next 30 steps, which can happen and how I'm going to handle things. And, and I take that to golf and it doesn't really help me when the day, you know, when I'm hitting the ball well, it doesn't help me. And when I'm hitting the ball poorly, it, it absolutely does not help me. So that's something <laughs> where I think golf has been helpful to really try and, and, and not go about it like I would if I am seeing someone in the hospital or seeing someone in clinic. It's just, I need to focus on what I can do at this moment and literally look at the trees, look at the birds, you know, look at the grass, you know, blow in the wind and, and just try and, and, and focus on not, or try and not focus on what my wrist is doing at the top of the backswing or, or, you know, if I start my downswing with my lead leg or with my shoulders or whatever weird bandaid fix I'm, I'm working on that day. I, 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 I love that answer. I want to hover there for a second because I, I think really good golf uh, happens in the present. And I see, I, I'm, no, I'm not a smart man, but I play with a lot of smart men and women. And I see what you're talking about, which is, you know, the thinking mind is a step ahead. The thinking mind is solving problems and, and moving on to the next, the next. But uh, I've had, you know, Dr. Joe Parent refers to it as the body mind. 
the subconscious mind, the present mind. It's it's if you can get to that state and you're talking about birds and, and trees and grass, I I find that's the only state I can play good golf. If I'm, you know, mm. d- d- thinking ahead or, or in the past, I'm I'm lost out there. But if if I can be present, that's what that's what I hear with your answer there. I don't know if that if you agree or not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I tend to catch kind of glimpses of it. I mean, I could think, you know, rattle off, you know, rounds where I have those really good stretches where just everything feels easy and I'm not being conscious about um, how how I'm coming into the ball, how I'm swinging. It just kind of it is more of that point and shoot. Most of the time, I mean, I feel like a lot of people have this just in conversation. You know, that warm up tee is could be the worst place in the world to be because you stripe it on the range and then you're frustrated because the first hole doesn't go well or, or, or you're blasting it all over the place in the range. and You don't know where to aim. So, so for me, um, it is, it can start just as soon as I get out of the car, you know, is it, is it a day where I'm going to be over critical and, and over analytical and trying to, you know, practice with my warm up, or is it a day where I'm just going to take it where it comes and, and just, you know, take a couple of warm up swings and just hit the ball. And and I haven't quite found that sweet spot. And some days I need that time to warm up and loosen up. And some days I just need to point uh, and just get out there and, and get out of my own way. The, um, uh, the motivation to improve, you know, I think a lot of us want to improve, but you got to stay motivated to actually do it, you know? And, and, uh, you mentioned our, our friends at golf blueprint. It's something we share is I think you and I were two of the very first customers they ever had. And, uh, I know I've been a believer from day one and I still practice and, and use their plans as I'm, you know, taking on my pursuit. But, uh, for you, what's, uh, I want, I have some questions for you around how you use golf blueprint, but, uh, I want to know your motivation to improve. You know, it sounds like, like, what was it when you got started and, and what is it today? What keeps you driven to get better? I think back, you know, I, when I started playing, I would play at kind of odd hours you know, during the week. If I got out of the hospital early, early or clinic early, or, you know, I'd work a night shift and kind of play a morning nine hole round on my way home. Um, and, and so there was a lot of solo golf, which I think kind of fits with my personality at times. I'm, I'm kind of that introverted only child. So it's nice to kind of have that space to, to myself. And it just wasn't fun to, to, to lose six balls and nine holes, you know, when you're by yourself, you know, I think, you know, when you're with other people, you know, if you're comfortable with them, it's not just kind of a random pairing, you know, you can just kind of, there's other things going on. There's the kind of social aspect of golf, but when you're by yourself, it's just, it's just miserable. Um, and, and you walk out and the only way to get back to your car is to walk the rest of the, the loop. And, and, and you're like, I just don't even want to swing, swing, you know, the club right now. So I think for me, you know, that motivation to get better is I, I tend to be someone who, who kind of values, you know, higher performance. And I think where golf um, is really humbling is there's no, there's no ceiling to, to kind of how good you can get, especially just with the time I have to commit to it, um, you know, working and, and having a family. I just want to be able to, to kind of do the best that I can do with the time that I have uh, and whether that is a high single digit handicap, whether that's better um, or whether that's just kind of going out and having a couple of beers. Um, I just want to be able to, enjoy the time I have with it and just not spend it feeling miserable or, or feeling that, that I, I could have been doing something else instead. Cause it is really a luxury to have that time. And, and I just want to maximize how much enjoyment I get from it. Have, do you care 
as much about, you know, results. It's a results game, just to your point of just seeing mm-hmm. that, that work turn into something, whether it's, I lost six balls and now I lost three, or, you know, I shot mm-hmm. 110 or I shot 95. What, what's the, um, how have results changed for you or have they, is, is results still very important? How do you, do you care about results? They are, but it's obvious it's, it's evolved quite a bit. You know, for a while it was the, the, you know, I lost six balls and now I lost three. I can remember the first time I quote unquote broke 90 and, and the friends, the friends I was playing with were like, you know, you have to count all the shots you hit, like not the, not the, the mulligans <laughs> and stuff like that that you took. So, so, so for me, you know, I, I've gone through stages of just kind of what, what improvement looks like. And, and last year was a, a, an interesting year in that, in, in a lot of what I, um, as, as kind of going through and developing the, the golf blueprint plans and kind of, you know, asking questions to Tico and Kevin last year was really frustrating that my handicap stayed the same, but I felt like I was playing better. And it took a lot of back and forth with, with kind of friends and just even reviewing my old scores. And it was just something as simple as like, I played more at my home course. My home course is more challenging. And when I looked at prior years, I was having these low scores at, you know, the, the, you know, when I was a guest somewhere at a much easier course, or, or if I was, you know, playing at local muni or something like that. So it was thinking of like, the numbers are still the same, but the quality of golf that I was playing was, was better because I was playing in a different setting. So, so I think that improvement is really tough because there's so many numbers that we have access to now. And, and going back to that early example of like dropping hobbies and, and, and going where I've done it with golf is I've dropped like game improvement strategies or, or like GPS watches or range finders, but like that's probably where I cycle through the most. And so there's so much easy access to like, you know, your fairways or your strokes, strokes gained. And, and it could just be really demoralizing when you don't see that trend moving in the right way. So I think improvement just has to be a little bit of a different concept. It's like, Oh, I, I, you know, shot a new lowest score at my home club this year, or, or, you know, I, at my longest drive ever, you know, on this hole, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, you know, I part every hole, you know, in by June, as opposed to by October, like I had before. So I think improvement for me just has to have a little bit of different flavor because there's going to be years where, you know, if you do this long enough, where, where you won't end that year better than you were the year before. I've been lucky in that I've only been playing for like eight, nine years and every year has gotten consistently better. And I, I just know at some point, you know, whether it's through an injury or, you know, family stuff or work stuff that that I won't be able to put as much time into it as I have been lucky to. And, and there might be a year where my handicap goes up and I have to be okay with that. Um, And there just has to be something else I felt like I improved on. So you, you mentioned uh, the guys at golf blueprint, Kevin Moore, Nico Doris, uh, another Dr. Moore and and soon to be Dr. Doris. Um, what if you had to let's start with them taking them on uh if you had to play one of them for a million dollars on one single hole who would you pick i think when i think of like a match play i think of conflicting personalities and and it's funny i've only chatted with them over the phone and like over zoom but i i think nico is very high energy and i tend to be very low energy and mellow and I think that has a good dynamic where, you know, statistically I can hit a, you know, a good shot every once in a while. And if I could just string a few shots together that I feel like that would get under Nico's skin a little bit more. Whereas I think Kevin is just so, um, 
so kind of numbers focused and analytical that he would just know that, okay, that's just a, that's an outlier that, that Lonnie was able to beat me on this hole. Um, so, so I think I would probably take on Nico with the hopes of just by the kind of calm, boring demeanor would just get under his skin that he would, uh, you know, lose focus a little bit. I love the approach, right? It's just like, you know, you know, you're outmatched, so you might as well just rub them the wrong way and hope that, hope that yeah. that's true. That is true match play, my friend. That is like old Seve style match play. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, they're both phenomenal players, but I think what I've, I think it's a, a misconception. I've talked to other members that have utilized golf blueprint that it's like four good players just because Kevin and Nico are good players. But, um, mm-hmm. and for context, I think it would help Lonnie, as you're talking through your own improvement, what, what is your handicap? Where were you a few years ago and where are you now? Can you give us some kind of trend lines? Yeah. So I, um, probably started tracking a handicap about five years ago, like using the, like the grins and just putting in scores. And I was probably in like the, the mid to low twenties moving up to Minnesota. I was able to get down to like an 18, um, I kind of plateaued when I switched to, to my, my club in 2018, um, my handicap stayed about the same, but again, that was an example of like, Oh, I'm playing tougher courses, blah, blah, blah. Probably at my worst in the, in the recent history, I had ballooned up to a 20 and I just had like some bad technical faults in my, you know, in my, in my swing, just not a very good mindset. And just by coincidence, that's when, you know, Kevin and Nico are looking for, for kind of beta testers for golf blueprint. So kind of, I talked to them. I want to say like July of 2019 and, and was at, at like my worst, just like, I felt like I could do no, no things correctly on the golf course. And, and with that, I was able to go from like a 20 to a 14 that year. Um, and then I've been stuck at about a 14. I've gotten as low as I've sniffed like 12. Um, but, but usually when like low scores fall off, I, I get stuck and I know exactly what scores are going to fall off. So, so I might show up that day knowing that I have to go quote unquote low, um, to try and keep my handicap down. So I'm about a, a happy with a, a 14 now. Um, I, I have to laugh though, cause we, our club did a winter simulator league, uh, on track man, um, uh, with eight foot guineas. Um, I am a, I am a 2.6, um, on, on the track man handicap. So I'm a very good, video oh, game that's, golfer that's a variance yeah, yeah. Uh, in I the just, simulation I you're gonna need, be dangerous to, yeah uh if, 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 if we just move to all astroturf all level lies no bunkers um, I, i'm gonna be a very dangerous golfer uh we were debating that at league night we play in a five iron league and uh there's like a, a lot of cases of higher handicaps that will like shoot around par in those simulation rules right no putting mm-hmm. chipping. and i thought about that i'm like it still doesn't make sense to me because as a scratch golfer, I hit on the simulators, you know, track man and everything. I'm like, no, that's, that's accurate. Like I, I hit that, you know, shot my yardage and it went my yardage or I didn't and it didn't. So I, I find it so interesting that like higher handicaps can have that big of a variance in a simulator. Why do you, why do you think that mm-hmm. is? The lie? I, I, so I played my first, um, I played my first round yesterday so kind of blustery like muddy day and, and for me like ju- just it was immediate like the lie matters you know ball above your feet ball below your feet you're just just those things that i feel like the, the motor patterns that i don't have ingrained and like how to hit a shot that's slightly above my feet um just i, I had such bad contact all day where where yeah i teed up and, and with the driver it's great you know driver is just like on, on a simulator you just account for some wind and elevation changes but yeah you give me a, a five iron approach and i just i i was hitting such awful shots um 
and then I, 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 of course, had a golf lesson this morning. It's just a very golf-filled week, and and also alignment. Like I, I forgot until like the sixth hole. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, where am I pointing right now? Because you're in a simulator. There's like the mat. There's the tee. Like everything's just right there. Uh, and you just, you just like even taking breaks, you could just kind of subconsciously line up. And and it took me such a long time to decide like that was a good shot. I was just aimed like the complete wrong direction. You know. So Man, I, um, I think all those. That's pinpointing sincere because yeah. I think all of us don't realize, like we think of alignment sometimes last, like alignment is, it's everything. If you don't have that, you'll never have the right diagnosis anyway. So man, I, that's, that's a big part of it. I, I didn't even think of that. Uh, all right. So for those that aren't familiar with golf blueprint, how do you describe it to people? So it is a, practice plan where we're kind of each month you are given certain tasks to perform um, ranging from, you know, 30 minutes to, to, you know, 70 minutes sometimes and focusing on different aspects of your game, whether it's, you know, wedges, you know, short irons, longer irons, slash hybrids, tee shots, um, in season, you know, putting, chipping, things like that. And it takes a lot of the guesswork out of what you should do during a practice session. So, so I think everyone has um, had those times where you just kind of show up and you hit a couple of, you know, hit a couple of sandwiches that feels good. Hit a couple of nine irons, hit a couple of seven irons, and then you just grab and just start rifling drivers until the bucket's gone. And I think it's great to show up and say, okay, you know, I have ten minutes. It's all kind of timed approaches. Um, they're divided up in what they call cards. You know, so I will say I have 10 minutes of these partial wedge shots hitting, you know, three at 30 yards, three at 50 yards, three at 70 yards, and just getting a feel for kind of controlling that distance. Timer goes off. Okay, I'm moving on to eight irons and and just having a task. And maybe it is eight irons and kind of focusing on a partial, you know, flighted eight iron versus maybe getting a little bit more out of it. Maybe it is kind of controlling your start line and trying to play around with, with the way the shot's bending. It's nice in that for, for me, I, I had developed a, a habit of, you know, I, I used to be a, you know, golf digest and, you know, golf magazine junkie and YouTube junkie of, of really fearing the like block practice of just like, I shouldn't have a club in my hand for long. So I would just hit loose and then I would hit a driver. Oh, that was a bad swing. I would hit a six iron. Oh, that was a bad swing. I just would never, I was able able to work on on the technical stuff that I was working on. So Golf Blueprint kind of freed up some of that brain space where in the moment they'll have cards and they said, this is just a technique card. Work on what you're working on, whether it's, you know, stance, posture, technical field. Um, and then there are games built in, you know, even for someone who is, you know, a, you know, a double digit handicap for, for me, there's times where it's, you know, compare your driver to your three wood, you know, pick a fairway, hit, hit 10 shots of each and kind of see which one does better, you know, score yourself based on, you know, how many shots were able to, to keep that low trajectory. If it's a card that's trying to keep, keep your height down. Um, and then obviously the short game shots have been really helpful and they're really good at, forcing you to try different clubs than you would normally pick. And, and that has been a huge help for me just getting, um, you know, with, with kind of playing into faster, more faster, more slopier greens, you know, getting comfortable with hitting a shot that stays on the ground and, and kind of runs up to the hole like a putt, as opposed to trying to hit a flop shot out of a thick, rough lie and, and, you know, not having much control over it. So for, for me, it kind of builds on each card, each month kind of builds on what I've done before. Um, it's just kind of liberal, it's liberating to kind of show up to the course and know exactly what I'm supposed to do and, and to be able to just kind of 
set it and forget it. Um, and it's also just um, fun in a way of just kind of doing these tasks and not having to kind of come up with the plan myself. And, and if I'm hitting it well that day, it's great. If I'm not, that's fine. Cause the timer's going to go off in 10 minutes and I can just move on to something else. I, I was gonna, my follow-up question was going to be on the timer because I find that, uh, and I do it subconsciously. If I don't have a golf blueprint, I'm on the range, you know, I'll, I'll either, let's say, just grab the driver, hit three good ones, be like, all right, done with that one. Or vice versa, I snap hook, you know, two out of three. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's, let's hit a couple more. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dial this out. And that's it. But when on the golf course does that ex- exist? You know, it never does. It never does. So th- what, what I love about the card and, and uh, the t- whether it's a timed one or it's a limit is even if you're striping it or you're not, you got to work your way through that card. And it, it, it almost tricks you into behaving how or to a world that exists out on the golf course, which is the actual game, the actual sport of trying to execute mm-hmm. shots and um, whatever the card might be telling you to, to do. Uh, I love the timer. I never thought about timing my practice before Golf Blueprint. Yeah, I think it, it's nice because you you are just going to show up and, and kind of irrationally you're you're going to want to stick with something or, or focus on you know think back on your your last round. And you're like, oh gosh, I I couldn't get out of the bunker three times, and so you're going to spend 20 minutes doing bunker practice when in reality you know you, you don't need to spend as much time there because the majority of your shots are going to be you know better served by by improving something else in your game. So it's it's been great and i feel like i've been a you know big evangelist for them you know just trying to tell everyone about it that that you know whether it's my teaching pro or just my friends at my club or you know just other people i play golf with and it's just a it's been a really helpful feature for me over the last couple of years so that i'm kind of walking into practice a little bit more excited and leaving maybe not as frustrated um that, than i would be if i was just kind of rifling through six irons so what's your favorite card to do during practice? And for those that don't aren't familiar with golf blueprint, they have these uh, call them drills or these time sessions, or you have to hit a certain amount of shots a, a certain way. Uh, they call these cards. So what's your favorite card, Lonnie? I, you know, beat to the fire. It would have to be the, the dim Tunkin. Um, so, so I, I, you know, kind of usually an approach card um, for me, you know, I, I have a few shots, you know, um, every round, you know, you know, like five, six iron approach into a, into a par three. Um, and it's just great to just kind of visualize, you know, those holes, you know, in particular, we have, we have our, our seventh hole at our courses, uh, kind of water, right, water, left par three, um, you know, anywhere from 170 to 190. Um, so it's just visually intimidating and it's just nice to be able to kind of get into a cycle most of their cards have the suggestion of just kind of resetting after every shot. So it's just good to like have 10 minutes on the clock, hit a shot, step back, you know, go through a routine and try and hit that shot again. And I could just really visualize each time landing it on the green um, and, and, and really trying to land it on that, that green for that seventh hole. Um, that one is a year round card, you know, so they have the indoor plans, which I've been doing now. And, and then they have the outdoor plans. Um, for outdoor, I, I really enjoy some of the short game work, you know, of just, you know, use your, you know, pitching wedge, eight iron and hybrid and, and just chip to the same spot and kind of compare where you can get better. And just in the moment, you're not only kind of competing to, you know, get them as close as possible with the club, but you're like, no, this hybrid can do better than that. Like, you know, come on, come on, hybrid, like pick it up. Um, <laughs> and, and 
so those are just kind of fun because within that 10 minutes, you're having all these little games that you're doing, you know, yourself and, and kind of clubs versus each other. Um, so that's always been a fun one. I forget the name of that card now that I'm thinking of it. I know their, their names are, are whoever's in the lead in the marketing department. I'm, I'm going with Nico on that one. Those names are, are brilliant and enjoyable uh, every single time. What is your least favorite card that you know you need to get to? And I guess it's hard to skip cards in the way they do it, but is there like a card that you kind of like, oh boy, here's this one again? Yes, the the 999. Um, so, so it's a nine iron shot um, and it is um, draw one, fade one, hit one straight. And, and, and I typically am, you know, I previously had been always very consistent fader of the golf ball you know, draws were going to be like little smothery balls that go low left. Now I am at my better shots or draws and I have a tougher time fading the golf ball. And wow. it is so frustrating um, to, 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 you know, when you're, when you, you know, hit that draw, you hit that straight one and then you try and hit a fade and you're like, no, I should be able to do this. Like this is the easiest thing in the world. I was fading involuntarily for, for seven years. Um, and now I can't hit. One. So um, that one is, is one that in the moment I, I just feel pretty frustrated about. That's uh, that's funny. It's my favorite one. Is nine nine nine. I love that card. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Because uh, it for me, it it gives me an awareness of. Because I'm like you, I, I bounce back between a fade and a draw. My natural ball flight's usually a draw, but it gives me an awareness of like where I am on that spectrum. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it it's not that if I'm playing a cut and I and I uh, go on the range and I try to hit that draw, it doesn't. It's not that. I do or I don't. It just lets me know where my body's at to like get an awareness so I can go back to my cut and and whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, I love I love nine nine nine. Um, what's the card you see pay off the most on the golf course? Like, is there one that uh, that that you when you're you do it on the range and you kind of like okay this is interesting, but then you get out on the golf course and you're like oh yeah that's why they had me do that card. Um. My my mind my brain wanted to wants to say some of like the t t shot cards or some of the approach cards. I've got to go back to like the short game and putting ones, just because you know for me you know you know trying to to more consistently break ninety the the days where it's like the days where it's coming together aren't days where I'm just like striping t shots and hitting every green. They're days where you know I'm, I I am chipping it to three feet and holding a putt, or I am you know getting up and down and saving par, or saving you know stopping a, a double. Um, so going back to, you know, even something like the, the Duke Ronald, um, the, 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 um, the kind of lag putting drill, you know, just having those kind of three chances and then having to hold, you know, so you have three putts. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to give the giveaway trademark information, uh, but basically kind of, <laughs> you know, flag putting and then holding the last putt. Um, and that, that's one where, where it is, um, you know, something where it, you get comfortable. It gets me a little bit more comfortable because my course tends to have, you know, pretty um, segmented green. So you have to kind of, you know, putt over some slopes at times and just getting comfortable with that pacing. Um, also the, um, for me, the, the, the more partial wedge shots, you know, so, you know, thinking about, you know, me hitting it offline every once in a while, uh, needing to kind of punch out and needing that, you know, 80 yard shot, needing that, you know, 70 yard shot and just feeling comfortable with, with kind of seeing how it's going to come off the club, seeing the height that it's going to have. Those are ones where those can be like games, game changers for me of, of just a, turning a bad day into a good day because you feel like you get a win, you, you've saved par and you move on with all that positive energy instead of like, gosh, I made double there because of a, 
you know, silly tee shot and a silly pitch shot and I missed the green, you know? So those are the ones where have been, they've been most helpful for me. I hope that as I continue to improve some of those kind of fuller shot and tee shot ones will really come into play more um, as I'm you know, hitting more greens or getting closer to the hole with, with an approach shot. I was, uh, I was playing with your, your Duke Lonald uh, hole in the putt reminded me of this. I was playing with some Atlanta members uh, one of which was using golf blueprint. And I asked him to see his golf blueprint and, uh, and I instinctively, like we all do in golf, wanted to compare it to my own world and what I was mm-hmm. working on with my golf blueprint. And he had like all these like pressure situations in his, where you, you had to hold pot, mm-hmm. you had to do certain things to end the drill. And mine had none. And I, I immediately, you know, bothered Kevin and Nico. I was like, Hey, what WTF man? Like, I'm a pressure guy. I, I want to work on this stuff. Why not? And uh, they, they, they was thoughtful. Like they, they thought actually about um, that. I, I needed some of the you know data, the data pointed to just uh, dialing in some other areas of the game, whether it be long irons mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and they were going to layer that in into the spring. So sure enough, my early spring golf blueprint ended up with all these pressure cards. And I wanted to ask you about uh, a pressure in golf. Cause as we all you know, we try not to care about results, but we all do instinctively. And, uh, how do you, how do you use golf blueprint to improve on pressure situations and how do you just approach pressure in general? I, I have a, a pretty poor match play record. So I think probably I can, I can use some work on, on approaching pressure. Um, I think where, so, so I also, I, I have not gotten as many of the pressure cards, um, you know, and, and when I do get them, that might be more related to like putting or something like that. Um, and I think that's probably for a good reason, just kind of being a, 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 a lower skilled ball striker currently, like pressure cards would probably just compound the frustration, you know, in a, in a different way. Um, so, so it, they, they do work that in, but, but I think understandably right now, like the, my biggest gains are going to come from like technical, you know, technical improvements and, and, and striking the ball a little bit better. I think for me, pressure, I, I need to continue working on it because I think I have a tendency of just assuming I need to, to have like a, like an out of body, like performance, just a completely unbelievable performance in order to excel in a situation. And even the first time I ever played a match at my club, um, just playing a much better golfer. I got a number of strokes from him and, and he was one up on 18 and it hit a way r- right shot on a, on a pretty gettable par five. And I say gettable because I've never gotten there in two. Um, it's a, it's kind of a tough approach shot, but my instinct was I've got to get there too. I've got to birdie this hole because, and, and in reality, he bogeyed it and I could have just, you know, tried to make a comfy par and, and that would have been fine. Um, so for me at that moment in time, pressure was expecting more than, than I could get out of my game. And I think we're golf blueprint, even though they, they might not put me as, in as many pressure situations. Um, I think it gives me a better understanding of where my game is at. So, so when I am asking myself, can I do this or what do I need to do? Um, I'm using, um, I have better recollection of kind of how I could perform in certain situations. And I'm hopefully less likely to try and hit that driver off the deck to get, you know, home in two or, or do something that, that sounds good on paper that I might see Nico and Kevin do on their Instagram. But, um, but I, I have no business in trying to do. That's, uh, that's, that's interesting. Cause I, I think 
I feel like it, talking about pressure, I feel like uh, Azinger on NBC's broadcast, right? Just <laughs> to see how many times we can put pressure into the rest of this pod. Uh, but I, I immediately think of uh, you have to have confidence, obviously, and uh, confidence comes from practice and confidence comes from the repetitions. And it's so hard to simulate pressure, as Azinger reminds us, you know, and the most the people that excel the most on it are the ones that, you know, they failed at that pivotal moment in a match or they they've done those reps and what i like about uh the golf blueprints that they've layered on me for the, the these pressure ones is is it it it's it's impossible to like seem like the 18th hole big match on the line hundred dollars on the line whatever is on the line it's it's impossible right to do that in practice but you can get you can get there a percentage of the way and i like that their drills do that for me is like when i'm in that moment now and i have a putt to win the match i actually do reflect in the moment on that drill that I did and how I succeeded at it or, you know, got it done. And I think most of them are designed that way where you eventually get it done and, and it builds a little bit of that confidence. So I, I've, I've started to see why it's in there. Um, their psychology elements are, are starting to come through, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Cause we all struggle with, I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't feel the psychos out there, but we're, we're, uh, we're normal golfers who do feel it. Mm-hmm. How about your uh, routine? Last question for you. I, I know you're a family man. You're a busy man. Like, how do you work your practice and your schedule using this, using Golf Blueprint? Um, I, I'm very lucky in that. You know, so, so my my medical practice, I do um, about three quarters of my time in clinic, and then I do about a quarter of my time working in the hospital. Those hospital stretches are usually, you know, involving weekends and kind of a week at a time. And because of that, my my employer, I, I end up having a lighter clinic schedule to try and balance out. So with, you know, through no advanced planning, I actually have a very nice schedule for, for golf. And then I usually do like three and a half days a week in clinic um, during the week. Um, and I have weekends off. So right now I have like a, a weekday and a half a day where I can, you know, practice and play. And, and then typically I have, I have a lovely wife who, um, will usually let me get a, you know, a practice round or practice session in on the weekends, you know, depending on our family duties, 18 whole rounds are kind of tough, um, just because of all the time that's associated with it. So for me, usually I'm able to get at least, you know, kind of one golf blueprint session in kind of on that weekend practice session. Um, sometimes, um, you know, later in the season, you know, if you get like a post round card, I might do that, you know, after my 18 hole round on Fridays when I have off. So it's been nice to kind of, especially, you know, plan ahead and say, I could look at a card and I could say, okay, today I'm going to do instead of 10 minutes and 15 minute cards, I'm going to do seven minutes and 10 minutes, you know, so you keep the structure, um, but you just kind of cruise through it a little bit faster because I might need to get home, you know, in time to pick up my daughter at daycare or something like that. So it's been nice to be able to edit and modify it a little bit more, just depending on how the week is going or how much time I have. Yeah, I've done that multiple times myself. It's just the abbreviated version of one, uh, whether traffic's worse than I thought it would be and I got to get home or the, the wife is calling in it. Well, I think just to round out on it, like your final thoughts on Golf Blueprint, because that's, you know, I, um, I, what I'll share is there's a little bit of peace of mind, I think, that that happens from the, we've all been that golfer that's laying in bed at night and thinking about our golf shots and thinking about, you know, oh man, why didn't I do this? Why did that? And I still do that. I definitely do. But I get more of like a, a peace of mind knowing that if I can get that for me, it's one session a week. If I can get one session in a week, I have that peace of mind of just like knowing I did something for my golf game 
myself in a very mm-hmm. balanced way, like almost like a balanced diet. And, and I feel mm-hmm. good. I feel good that w- whether I play better or not, it doesn't matter. Is like I did the thing that's good for me and it was fun. And I, I, you know, only lasted 45 minutes. But for me, it's like that peace of mind, I think is, is what helps versus the alternative, which is guessing, man, what was wrong with me out there? Like, what is going, like, what do I need to work on? What do I, I di- diagnose, diagnose, diagnose versus the, the constant treatment, not to talk to a, a medical man about constant treatment, but <laughs> what sum up kind of your, your relationship with it. It, it for me, it's just kind of building more of a foundation, you know. So, so you know, a lot of what I do, you know, you know, doing physicals during the day in clinic is is about preventative healthcare, and and I feel like for me, golf blueprint is kind of like my preventative care for my health. Like I'm putting in quality practice time, and I can rest assured that like if I'm taking it seriously and I'm following up with it, and I'm kind of going through the the system, that that the results are going to be there. Um, and I think it's also just understanding the, the, the variants that we all have, you know, whether it's wide variants for someone like me or kind of smaller variants for a higher skilled player. Um, for me, it just kind of helps take away the, the emotion of just kind of being on one of those big variance days where you're just not hitting it well and just understanding, okay, I could put in some really good work here. I could work with the swing I have right now. And, and whether it's a practice session and doing golf blueprint or just taking the the skills and the lesson from that and taking it to a nine hole round or a, a you know, 18 hole round is, is something that's been really um, in some ways kind of like relaxing for me. It's it just allowed me to approach golf a little bit more relaxed as opposed to walking into every round saying, I've got to shoot better than my handicap today. So I can, you know, this is the day where I'm going to become an X level golfer. And, and that just, that pressure for me, like I said earlier, it, it, it ends up, pushing me to do things I, I have no business doing. And, and, and luckily for, for doing golf blueprint for, for these last couple of years, I have a very good understanding of where my skill is at that week, the week before, if I'm in a situation and, and I need to bump and run with a hybrid, I've done that recently. And, you know, little, little stuff like that, where, whereas if the old way of doing it for me was, was a little bit more um, irrational and a little bit more reactionary. And, um, and I've really appreciated kind of, doing, doing golf blueprint and, and, and being able to, to be a little bit more calm with, with kind of how I approach golf. Calm's a good way to play golf. <laughs> it's a better, better way to play golf. Uh, don't tell, don't tell, well, some members don't tell some members that they like to play angry, but most of us play better. Yeah. Golf. Well, Lonnie, I got one last thing for you. It's our 19th soul. You, I assume you're a listener. You've, you've heard the 19th soul. Yes. So we adapted 35 questions from Marcel Proust, the French novelist, and one of the most influential authors of the 20th century. His questions were attempting to reveal the truest nature of an individual. Our questions attempt to reveal the soul of the golfer. Lonnie, are you ready for the 19th soul? Yes, I am. Number one, when and where were you happiest as a golfer? Uh, this last fall, um, I, my normal Friday morning group, we had kind of a busy year and we didn't get to play as much together. So I, I was able to join them and the plan was just to bring my daughter, um, join them for the back nine. And I, we were just going to drive around in the cart with them. And I convinced my daughter that if she let me hit a golf shot, I would give her a piece of a cookie. So she, she, she was then, you know, four years old, you know, three years old. And, and so she let me play the entire back nine, every shot, every putt, and just, I would get back in the cart and she would just have her hand out 
asked me for a piece of cookie. And she was just, yeah. So, and that was actually a day where kind of going back to our earlier thoughts, I, I just was within the moment. I was worried about, you know, is she cold? Is she hot? You know, or do, do we need to go to the bathroom? And, and just golf became easy. And I, I shot a very carefree, um, you know, sub bogey round, uh, which for me was, was pretty good at the time. So that for me was, was a very happy time, especially having my daughter there. Hey. Are you dragging her out to the golf course to this day to help dad with his? She, she, she is. Um, yeah, she is very excited to go back to the golf course just because she knows she gets snacks and she gets to push the rake around in the bunker. Um, yeah, but, but we'll, we'll, we will get her out there, maybe get her club in the hand, but with me starting so late in life, I don't know how to get a kid, uh, genuinely interested in golf. So, so we will see, but she can at least be my, my, my in-cart caddy, uh, if she's around. Number two, what's the scariest golf shot? Uh, for me, it's uh, our sixth hole um, at, at our club, kind of a, from the members' tees. It's like a 560 par five water all along the left. So if you go out, you know, chances are you're reteeing uh, out of bounds all right. Uh, and I've played this hole every which way. I've, I've gone driver, three wood, hybrids. I've just hit iron off the tee. And just it, it's, it, it's depending on how you're hitting it that day. I've played with people that they get off the second hole and they're like, well, that's not going to work on six today. So, so for me, that's my set key shot, my scariest shot. Number three, what is your go-to order at the halfway house? Um, as a, I know our listeners can't, can't see as a, as a bigger kind of huskier man. Um, I, I typically try and go with like the, uh, the, like the, the tuna salad in the cup or something like that. Something where I can just kind of feel like I'm, I'm putting some, you know, good, good vibes and mayonnaise in my body to, to kind of fuel me up to the back. <laughs> Number four, what is the trait you most deplore in your golf game? Just the, that tendency to jump ahead, you know, to think about like, oh, okay, I need to hit this shot when I get to six, or I need to hit this shot when I get to nine, or, or I've got to par out to, to, you know, keep my nine holes under 50. So just that inability to, to kind of stay in the moment. Number five, what is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? Um, offering feedback. Um, or offering, you know, Hey, do you know, do you know, you're looking back when you, when you do your backswing? Yeah, I know I've done that for nine years. Thank you. You know, Oh, oh you know, you're aimed. Yeah. I know I was aimed that way. Uh, I realized that cause the ball went that way. Thank you. Um, so I, I get a little gold chippy, um, when someone feels like they can, um, you know, David led better me to a better round. Rightfully. So number six, what is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? I think just pretty relaxed. Um, yeah, I've played with people who, you know, have the, the, you know, pre-shot routine, the 14 waggles, you know, throwing up the grass in the air and, and just, you know, I, I just want people to be able to enjoy themselves and, and to, you know, be good, be okay with the good shots and just let the, the, the bad shots just bounce right off. Number seven, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? Uh, probably just like good shot, you know, Oh, oh good shot. Ooh, ooh, that was good. You know, stuff like that. I think, I could probably just keep that to myself. <laughs> Number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? Um, probably just that longer driving. You know, I think, you know, I've picked up a little bit of, of hashtag speed um, and, and, and distance you know, in the off season. And, and I just auto- automatically, even just yesterday, you know, for our first round, like, oh, this is much easier when like my miss hit is going here as opposed to, kind of poofing up in the air and going 160 yards. So, so I would love to just kind of continue that because it would be a much different game. Um, just being able to, to, to hit, you know, wedges and nine irons and just gouge out of the rough. Um, but uh, I would love to be able to hit the bar fall farther. 
Number nine, what is your most treasured golf possession? Uh, this year, I got some of my old college rugby jerseys turned into head covers. Um, so I have, I'm looking at them right now. I've got, you know, driver, woods, hybrid, butter. Um, so I, they certainly wasn't, they weren't being used. Uh, they're just collecting dust. So I found someone through um, someone online and have these lovely custom head covers now. That's sweet. That's really cool. Number 10, what's the one thing in your golf bag you should throw out? Um, probably, I probably carry too many balls. I think it's just still that, that instinct, um, where, you know, balls, balls are heavy. They, they add up and I I just can't walk out with, with, you know, fewer than 10 balls in my bag because I'm just feeling like I'm just going to, that could be the day where I just lose all of them and I have to walk in after 10 holes. So (laughs) number 11, what is your favorite job or occupation in golf? Perhaps at the golf course, uh, superintendent. Uh, we have a really great superintendent and just being able to see kind of how he thinks about the course and, and the pride he takes in it is, uh, it's really fun. And I have, can't grow grass in my front lawn. Um, so to be able to do that for an entire golf course is just amazing. That is true. Any, anybody that doesn't yet appreciate a superintendent, just try to grow something, see how it goes. Exactly. Small plot of land. Number 12, have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? I have not. Um, I, I'm lucky in that the only professional event I went to was, was a, a tournament round at the master or a, a practice round at the masters. Um, but I've never been in the situation to, to ask for, for any autographs. Um, so maybe this year. If you, if you could ask somebody, who would you ask? What would you want? Would you want a certain person's? I don't know. I, I, I really like the, so, so I started playing kind of after peak tiger. So, so I missed, Kind of Tiger mania. I obviously understand the historical importance of and, and just how how great he played. Um, but for me, just like Keek, like Fran, Francesco Molinari, like like just just a short, physically unimposing person of Italian heritage. Like that's who I strive to be uh, on the golf course, and just you know, absolute killer at times. And and I would love, I would love to have Francesco's autograph. So so maybe I could work on that. Start a social media campaign. Combine the two, him versus Tiger at Carnoustie, still one of the best final rounds of any major. Mm-hmm. So cool. Number yeah. 13, what historical golf figure do you most relate to? Um, probably, I, I am not as, as um, attuned to, to golf history. Um, thinking back, you know, in our book club a few months ago, um, I forget their names, but like, one of young Tom's friends, like, like, not like, I don't think of myself as like the, the, the all-star, but like one of the like guys he would play with and like occasionally would beat him in a match or something like that. You know, that I would, I would love to have been like one of old Tom's friends, or I'm sorry, young Tom's friends and just kind of running the, running the posse. That's, that's one of my favorite answers I've heard. I think, I think you're right. I don't know who wants to be like the main guy, like, no, be the crew, be the crew around him. Uh, number 14, what's your greatest golf regret? I think starting when I did, um, I think, you know, granted, you know, it, it's worked out pretty well and I really enjoy myself, but I, I know a lot of what, where my improvement is coming is just with kind of golf IQ. And, and I think if I could have started that as a team, uh, as opposed to, you know, someone who is almost 30 years old, I, I could be in a, a much different place with my golf game now. Number 15, what is your favorite golf book or movie? Um, 
I read um, Bamberger's To the Lynxland uh, this winter, and I just really enjoyed, you know, obviously a very different time, you know, no cell phones, no computers, you know, just a uh, very different time. And obviously the the, the DP World Tour, um, and it was, uh, yeah, just really fun to kind of hear how he, he and his wife navigated just kind of his color commentary on, on these European two tour pros was just really, really fun. And then kind of him shifting to his golf game as he kind of obsessed about it in the second half of the book was just like, I, I saw a similar um, overly analytical vein um, myself to, to kind of what I go through. One of the best of our time to, to write in the game of golf. I will always read anything Michael Bamberger puts out. Number uh, 16. This is a preferential question on whether you listen to golf music on the golf course, but if you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life on the golf course, which would it be? Uh, I probably would. I know you're partial to reggae. Uh, I remember from a previous episode. I I prefer like '90s hip hop on the golf course. Um, so so like you know just just something that like just has a, a different beat to it, um, and just kind of like songs that I can think that oh I remember listening to that. So I probably can't pick one one right now. Probably something like I, I I heard it recently in practice. Probably something off of like the Jay Z Unplugged album. Like I, I could listen to that on the golf course like every time if I had to. I'm on a big '90s hip hop kick right now. I watched the Kanye documentary, even though he's later, but they, it was it was referencing all the the greats at that time. So I'm I'm with you on that. I think this season might be yeah. the backdrop of '90s hip hop. Number 17, if you were to die, this is a heady one. If you were to die and come back as a golfer or golf thing, what do you think it or they would be? Um, probably not a serious answer, but I, but I would come back as the fabled CT machine um, from, from our friends at the, the Shotgun Start. Um, just, just very important, very data-oriented and factual, although it's just kept in a closet somewhere uh, and doesn't really have to work too hard. It's uh, very well done. And number eighteen, last question: If you had a motto, Lonnie, maybe you do. What would it be? Um, going back to what we've talked about a few different times, uh, one of my mentors in residency um, would always kind of say, um, you know, be here now. Um, so just kind of be in the moment, be where you're at. Uh, and he was talking about it more with work and, and with all the struggles with work. But I think for for me, I hopefully can strive to that with, with golf and, and just focus on what I can get from that day and enjoy out of that day, as opposed to everything else that I'm thinking about long-term. Well, I got a, a lot of enjoyment out of this day and chatting with you, my friend, thanks for uh, joining us on the bag drop and thanks for, for all you do for being a member of new club. Uh, you're one of our early ambassadors, man. And, and uh, we've loved having you in the club. It's been, it's been really special. And I hope I, we see you in person one of these days soon or spring meeting. How's your spring look? Can we get you down to the, the cove? Spring is spring is tough. Uh, spring is tough, unfortunately. So it's, it's, it's one of my goals each year. Uh, so far since joining, uh, it's, it's been to go to an in-person new club event uh, as opposed to uh, just kind of blasting away on Slack. So, so hopefully this is the year where we're, even if it's one of the, one of the smaller ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to it, man. And thanks again. Um, Enjoy the rest, rest of the week. Thank you so much, Brad. Today's episode of The Bag Drop was brought to you by our partners, Golf Blueprint, Journeyman Distillery, True Temper, 
and this May's NV5 Invitational. A massive thanks to Dr. Nico Daris and Dr. Kevin Moore, the founders of Golf Blueprint, for partnering with New Club on this year's spring meeting at Sweetens Cove. To check out their process and receive your first Golf Blueprint, head over to golfblueprint.com.